Double Play Fantasy Spaceball Show with D. Mindy, Little Cheesecake, and Doc starts now. Hello! Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the Fantrax HQ family. D. Mendy here. I'm joined by a dessert that is currently trying to snipe me in a best ball draft. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? I'm glad you brought up that best ball draft. Uh, it, it's been it's been a uh, it's been a very crazy draft so far, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. You and I are picking right next to each other. This is after I explicitly threatened you on Twitter that if you pick <laughs> next to me, I'm going to pee on you. And we still got picked next to each other. I don't know who set this up. This is some nonsense. I'm going to have to speak to the authorities, Bubba. I'm coming for you on this one. You put. You put me right next to Mendy, and you know what? I don't like it, but, you know, it's been a great draft. Your team is looking good. My team's looking better, but it's all good. That's all right. I don't think you'd ever admit my team is looking better than yours, but it will always be better than yours. Not, not once. Always. No, never. Never. No. Gosh, no. You guys are just I mean, debating a lot today. Dad? Brother? Stop it? <laughs> it's funny because... You mentioned about peeing on me or whatever, and I think that's preluding to something you're going to say later <laughs> on in the show. There's a lot of peeing talk, so if you're in for that kind of thing, stay tuned. But also joining yeah. us today is the guy that's not in a best ball draft, and he's the always defending the deflating Nolan Arenado at all costs, and that's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? I mean, Nolan Arenado, bargain, but I did tweet to Bubba right after we did it last week, so I did my work. I'm waiting yeah. for the invite now. There you go. And I it, took it Nolan Arenado. On the, yeah, yeah, it does. And I, I took Nolan Arenado in the fourth round for you, Eric, just for you. Oh, gosh, you are an angel. But we're not talking about Nolan Arenado because on deck today, we are talking about outfielders in Triple Play Fantasy's Outfielder Part 1 rankings. Before we head into 2021, we want to give an early look at each position, talk about where we are ranking players in each position group heading into next season. We're going to be using NFBC rankings from December 1st as our template for these episodes as we look at top guys, guys who we're going to stray away from, values, and other fun rankings discussion. Tonight, we are going to be looking at outfielders going in the top 30 with Mr. Vlad Sedler of Elite Fantasy and Fantasy Guru, so make sure to stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which outfielder going outside the top 300 has caught your eye, and our game of the week coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. All right, news and notes here. Big move made over this last week. The White Sox have reached an agreement with free agent reliever Liam Hendricks pending a physical. Tim Brown of Yahoo Sports reports. It's a three-year, $54 million guarantee with a club option for a fourth season. Both the option and buyout are worth $15 million, So the right-handed Hendricks will earn the money regardless of how long he's part of the team. So I'm interested not necessarily about the money. If you want to bring that up, that's fine. But Cheesecake, what do you think this does for the White Sox? Um, I think that uh, Hendricks is is a fantastic option. Obviously, I think I'm the the top closer now, but I think it's a great signing. Obviously, they 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 shelled out a lot of money for him. He has an old school manager uh, who 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 uses closers. He was the one who came up with the one inning closer concept, you know, that's how long he's been managing. So, uh, you know, there's a guy who is, who is shepherded guys like Eckersley to, to long hall of fame careers. 
get a guy like Hendricks in there. I think it's a great move for the White Sox. They're going to be uh, they're going to be loving the guy they got at the uh, back end of their bullpen. What are we thinking, Doc? How we feel about Liam Hendricks? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really helps his value as much. So last year, the Oakland A's had, or I'm going to start with the White Sox. The White Sox won 35 games and had 16 save opportunities. And the Oakland A's won 20 games and had, or won 36 games and had 20 save opportunities. So the White Sox, the games they won a lot of times were by blowouts. So if the offense got better, I think for the most part, the AL Central got worse. Certainly Cleveland did. I know Kansas City got a little bit better, but I kind of see his value staying the same sidelining. Um, not to say that he's not going to be a great option. He's certainly a top two or three closer, but I don't think you can see a huge bump just because he's on a team that's made us a lot of splashy moves. And I don't think that was full English that you just talked there. I don't think that was full English you said either. <laughs> Next bit of news, free agent righty Corey Kluber impressed onlookers on a showcase that was attended by about 25 teams on Wednesday. The source said that Kluber commanded his pitches well and flashed typical velocity for this point in the offseason. Jeff Passan notes that Kluber's velocity topped out at about 90 miles per hour. So given where he's in the rehab process from last year's injuries, it's not expected to reach peak velocity yet, which if you remember in 2018, when he had a great year, uh, Cy Young worthy year was at 92 miles an hour. So Doc, I'll start with you. But I know you loved me some Corey Kluber here. Well, how are you feeling about Corey Kluber? If you're a team, are you looking to sign him? So good thing that you said loved because this is past tense because Corey Kluber is on my hate list now. He threw one inning last year and had a right back strain. So you're talking about somebody that's 34, 35 years old. He's gonna. He's had a lot of injuries. I like him for the name and maybe for cheap value, but I don't think he's somebody that you get excited about. Nowhere near the Cy Young candidate that we've seen from a few years ago. Cheesecake, do you feel the same? Uh, I yeah, I think he's going. He's going around pick two fifty seven right now, which is which is which is really pretty cheap. But uh, I do think that he's going at two fifty seven because of his name value. He's a guy who hasn't pitched in about two, really hasn't pitched in about two seasons. So uh, you're not, you can't really be sure that he's going to be uh, back to one hundred percent able to give you a full season if you draft him. I think you know. His his velocity has been going down for for year after year. It was like ninety three in twenty eighteen, ninety two in twenty nineteen, maybe one in you know in in twenty twenty when he was out there for one game, and he's up to around nine now. I mean, I I think that you know it, it's going to depend on where he signs. I'm not sure who's going to be um, who's going to be hoping to get Corey Kluver. Uh, possibly a team that might hope to uh, spike a good first half and and trade him. That that's that's probably the uh, the most likely option in in my eyes. I just want to say, from 2014 to 2018, Corey Kluber threw 200 innings plus every season. He threw 1,900.2 uh, innings. For the last two years, he's thrown 36.2. So you figure that workload had to add up. Yeah, I'm I'm on the kind of minority, or maybe a not minority, but I really think Corey Kluber still has something left. I mean, the injuries he's actually had, I think it was the broken forearm last year, and I still think he has something there. Maybe he's not the the front, you know, guy in the rotation, but he's somebody I still think could be a solid three four starter. And if you put him on the right team, I think he can succeed. So I'm I'm actually very interested in Corey Kluber. 
depending on where he goes. But I think he still has some talent there. I'm not closing the door on him yet. Let's move to a little bit of interesting news here. And it's reported that Seattle and Detroit are being projected to potentially have six-man rotations. Meanwhile, Boston has come out to say they may limit starting pitchers' innings, and Milwaukee has announced 100-inning pitch increases for most of their starters, probably except Brandon Woodruff. So, Cheesecake, drafting right now, as we're potting, how does that this news affect how you're drafting these uh, pitchers on, on these four organizations? Uh for the six-man rotations, I'm loving it for my late basketball picks. Seattle and uh, Seattle and Detroit have a lot of late arms that you might be able to to stuff the back end of your rotation to uh, make sure that you're not left out there with nobody who's healthy. Um, I, the 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 Milwaukee news is interesting. I don't think you can really you can't you can't project Barnes to get like 160, 170 innings this year. You can't just add 100 innings to to these guys. It, it's sort of an arbitrary number. Uh, I don't know why they would come out and say something like that. It's really arbitrary. Uh, I, I would think that 100, between 150 and 170 is about uh, an average full-time starting pitcher this season, what they're going to get uh, prorated, I guess, to, to 150 to 170 because we never know how many actual games they're going to get this season. Uh, not yet, at least. So, uh, but I, I think it's, you know, the six man rotation, a little bit more juicy to me, the guy, you know, the, 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 the projections for innings prior to the season means nothing to me right now. Doc, do you feel the same way? Do you, this news kind of mean nothing to you or what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, it means something to me because I think you're going to see people that were long relievers for, Milwaukee and Detroit maybe get a little more uh, run that they probably won't have people that are aces that are going six, seven innings consistently, even if they're performing well. I think you'll see more teams adopt this because what the past year or so we've seen is it's kind of a sporadic uh, season for baseball. A lot of pitchers tried to ramp up their arm too quickly last season and ended up suffering injuries. And I think when you're looking at the longevity and how teams are viewing especially Detroit that has a lot of young pitchers, they're assets. And the last thing you want to do is damage them when you're not close to contending. Yeah, it is very interesting. It's very early on too. So I think we may need to wait to see how things come out as we get closer to the season. But these types of stuff in the off season, that's been fast at times, but other times slow. Uh, we just have to kind of look at these objectively and realize that they may change as we get closer to the actual start of the season. The last little bit here, the Astros' aggressive pursuit of relief pitching landed them free agent right-hander Pedro Baez on a two-year deal. So he's going to be a factor in that Astros' bullpen. However, they've come out and said that he is not going to be the closer. Ryan Presley should still be able to have that job. And by all accounts, it appears the Red Sox appear ready to move on by Andrew uh, Andrew Benatendi potentially as early as this coming weekend. So You sniped me. You just <laughs> sniped me. Did I really? Like just now. They're here to take Musgrove? I was going to take Musgrove. This is why I don't want you next to me. <laughs> Live reaction. I love it. So I think, don't you have like eight pitchers already? You were a hoarder. Uh, yeah. Well, you need a lot. It's best ball. I know. And I have like six, but I like you are, you're being a pitching hoarder right now. It needs to stop. Go well, away. Listen, I don't mind that you're annoyed with my draft. That just means I'm doing a good job. <laughs> children, children, settle down. The dad that's not involved is jealous, so we'll move the, on here. The, the youngest is the dad this time. <laughs> there you go. But if you like hearing me snipe art, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. 
Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up the Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, horrible takes, and of course, our weekly episode drops. You know that feeling you get when you see pizza you ordered come out of that brick oven at a restaurant or when you're handed that giant ice cream cone? What about that sound you hear when you make mac and cheese and it starts squirting? Those pleasant sounds are equivalent to the sound that the Triple Play Fantasy Pods will put in your ear. We'll be pleasant and heck, we may even make you hungry. I know I listen to Cheesecake's name every episode and I want to slice cake every time. Thank you to our loyal fans for tuning in each and every single week. And we'll be right back with Outfield Rankings Part 1 with Vlad Sailor right after this quick break. We welcome in a man tonight that strikes fear in the heart of fantasy players everywhere. An MLB and NFL fantasy analyst for Elite Fantasy and Fantasy Guru, this Tout Wars champ and two-time FSWA and DFS Live finalist will suck you dry with all your DFS tests like he's a fantasy vampire. A 35-time high-stakes league winner and the fab whisperer. The only man I've ever been intimidated of before hopping on a podcast. We welcome in Vlad Sedler. Vlad, what's going on tonight, man? David, what's up? Doc LC, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. That's a hell of an intro. <laughs> Thanks, man. And I, I, I'm genuinely honest about that. You are like, I think, one of the most intimidating guys I think I've ever reached out to to come on the show. It's you true. Are... He put it in our group chat. <laughs> Just like the success you have with all the stuff you're doing with DFS and all the stuff you do with fantasy. Yeah, you've built up, you've built up quite a resume. So I'm looking forward to you giving that advice to our listeners tonight. Sounds good. I'm ready. Um, you know, uh, a few weeks after the World Series, I uh, took a little break, you know, just focusing on football, giving myself an opportunity to to recharge, refresh, because I think for me, at least, it's important to uh, to step away just for a little bit and then just to be able to hop back on. But now we're in the middle of January, just completed my fifth uh, uh, DC slow draft. So I am uh, I'm, I'm in the zone, man. I'm ready to go. I love that. I love that. And it's just it's baseball and football. right? You don't dabble in the basketball waters at all. I do actually play some uh, so play some DFS uh, and for uh, elite fantasy do some uh, some cheat sheets and some write ups there as well. So I did not uh, in honor of this podcast uh, this live stream appearance I did not study for the slate nor play it so I can have my full attention and concentration with you guys. Oh man, Vlad, that actually means a lot. I, I genuinely mean that. That's awesome. I, so I'll have to reach out to you after the show just maybe for a little DFS in, insight talk here. Uh, sure. Howard Boy Pete's W checking in on here. But uh, so I want to hop right in here, Vlad. We needed you tonight because outfield is a doozy to talk about. And we're heading into 2021 after a crazy 2020 COVID shortened season, going through each position, feeling like how we can talk about players ranked going into next season. Using NFBC rankings from December 1st on as our template, we are going to look at guys sectioned off in the top 10, top 20, and top 30 for this outfielder part one preview. And we're looking for guys that maybe Vlad's going to give the stink face to that he doesn't like guys that maybe he'll give a thumbs up to, or guys he's going to get mad at that you snipe from him in your draft. So this is going to be a fun episode. And without further ado, let us hop right in and let's talk about the top 10 outfielders going inside the top 10. And Vlad, since you're the guest, I would like to start with you who in the top 10 
outside the easy names is someone that really catches your eye? Well, I mean, first of all, just in general, uh, looking at the the outfit, outfield pool this year, it, it, especially like in the top 20, top 30, the the names are pretty much the same. I'd say about 70% of the top 30 are, are just about the same guys. Uh, you know, a few people have moved out. Uh, J.D. Martinez is now utility only. He's dropped to like 180p-ish. Uh, you know, Jorge Soler isn't in the mix there. Lariano fell out. Uh, you know, Victor Robles. Tommy Pham is right there on the border. So those guys are out. And then you've got all the hot guys. I'm sure we're going to talk to them, uh, talk about them a little later. Uh, the guys that really broke out in 2020 are Zarenia, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Grisham, Biggio. These guys are now uh, sort of replaced it. But just looking at outfield as a whole, it really hasn't changed. You still have about 25, 30 or so guys in the top 100 overall. Um, so that's where we're at with that. Uh, as far as the, you know, in outfield, looking at the first few picks, I mean, that you pretty much outside of Tatis, the first, you know, five or so picks are outfielders there. And, um, you know, Cunha, obviously the, the top dog there, uh, you know, right even before his prime, really uh, probably expecting a, a pretty good season here. Uh, first overall, pretty much consensus. You see some drafts Tatis going, some people take bats, some say take Soto. Um, and for me personally, although straight up, if I have the number one pick, I'm probably going to take Acuna for the extra stolen bases. Juan Soto is the guy that intrigues me the most. He's the person that, man, I just, one of those guys where I wish his ADP was a little lower, uh, last year when he was going like 10th or 11th overall, I was snagging him as much as I could. Cause he was somebody I thought could legitimately be a number one overall pick. I think that's still possible this year. It would include a huge uptick in steals, uh, you know, 140 runs if, if that's possible for anyone these days. But just the guy who sticks out to me in the first round who I absolutely love is Juan Soto. Yeah, I know on this show, especially Cheesecake and I were debating about putting him number one. We've talked about that in the past. You saw in the shortened season already, he probably plays a full season in those 60 games. He might be the MVP, put up, a, you know, crazy numbers for the Nats this past season. And he looks like he could take even a further step next season. Doc, I'm interested to see where you're going on this list. Who is someone that you like in this top 10? I love Mookie Betts, and he is my number one pick. He's somebody that can do it all. He's had two plus 30 home run seasons. He had, he's had three 25 plus steal seasons. He's a career 301 hitter. An interesting uh, fact, he has six career three home run games, which ties him with Sammy Sosa and Johnny Mize at top all time. It wow. took Sammy Sosa 2,354 career games. It took Johnny Mize 1,884 career games. It's taken Mookie Betts, or it took him 813 career games. So you're talking about somebody that has very quick wrists. He, he hit his career high for K rate in 2020, and you know what that was? 15.4%. Great contact hitter. He's upped his launch angle. The first three years, it was an average of 14%. In the last three years, it's been 18.6%. It's not percent, it's degrees. Go ahead. Degrees. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My handwriting's bad. But he's hitting the top of a great lineup. I don't think you guys can argue that the Dodgers have probably one of the top. I know Vlad won't argue. Dodgers have probably one of the most best hitting lineups. And I love that consistency he brings. Awesome. Cheesecake, who else in this top 10 are you looking at? The uh, the best value I like in the in the top ten is going around pick twenty one. That's Bryce Harper. Harper has been consistently consistently good in the in the Statcast in the Statcast uh, 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 statistics over the past over his entire career. His ex slug has been red. 
almost every season of his career. His XBA has been red half the seasons of his career. His XWOBA has been red almost every season of his career. His exit velo is consistently 91-92. His barrel percentage actually was a career high in 2020, 17%, after a career high in 2019 of 15%. I actually like uh, Harper. I, I think he's actually going 21. I think he's a late first round or very early second round value. I would take him probably ahead of Bellinger, uh, even though Bellinger has that uh, first base eligibility. But I, 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 when you look at what, what Harper did in 2020, you saw his zone contact go back up to the where it had been prior to 2018. He had kind of a kind of a weird down 18 and 19 in his in his zone contact, and it now it's back up to where it was prior to that. And I and you know you still see that 2015 330 42 home run season. He still has that in him. He's not even 30 years old yet, and his walk percentage keeps on getting better and better. So his um, Harper is a guy who I'm going to be targeting. I haven't actually been able to get him in any of my drafts yet because I'm picking, you know, three or four or, or so in almost all of them, it seems. But I would love to be picking towards the back end of the first round, get Harper, uh, and, and I'd feel really good with the, with the start of my outfield there. Was that a brag that you always get the top of your drafts right there? No, I, I – uh, Getting uh getting the third or fourth I've gotten the third pick actually two or three times already and I don't mind it you know I'm I'm going going pitching there a lot I've gone Trout in a few uh, best balls there I've gone Garrett Cole in a best ball but uh you know when you when you're when you're closer to the back end of the of the first round you actually it opens up a few players that aren't actually in your in your wheelhouse when you're picking way up high and and Harper hasn't been in my wheelhouse and I've missed out on him but uh once I get into a draft where where he is in the in the range of guys I'm going to be snapping him up agreed Matt Williams hopping in getting a little ahead of the game we're going to touch on Luis Robert in a little <laughs> bit uh the guy that I want to touch on and I have to get my glasses on for this when I get out the stats here so 23 years old we all know that Kyle Tucker's been in a metaphorical cage, if you will, with the Houston Astros. And finally, Dusty Baker opened that cage up and let him free last year, allowing him to play in 58 of the 60 games. And he slashed 268, 325, 512 with nine homers, eight steals, 42 RBI, and 33 runs scored in 228 plate appearances. This was actually the fourth straight season, actually, that Tucker paced at a 25-25 pace for home runs and stolen bases if you project that out over 150 games this is a guy that has legit 30 30 upside since the start of the 2018 season he's combined to steal 64 bags on 75 attempts between AAA and the majors and has a also an exceptional 85 percent conversion rate on those you also add in that tucker produced an 84 percent exit velocity or 84 percentile exit velocity a 77th percentile hard hit rate and he had an ideal 14.9-degree launch angle. His average may not be amazing. He's going to most likely be a 260-270 average hitter consistently. That might be the one little chink in his armor. He's not a 300 hitter. But he's a very steady guy. He's got an above-average XBA, exit velocity, hard hit percentages. He's right around the league average in K percentages, walk percentages, barrel rates, uh, and all that type of stuff. But there's nothing he was truly bad in that I could find. And even the, the biggest thing was that he took a step back against breaking balls this season, but that's something I think could normalize more towards what his 261 XBA was in 2019. 
He also has a decreasing ground ball profile and an over 30% live drive rate. He's my safe place. He's he's where I want to go to feel safe. I feel like he's going to give the production for where he is. I know he's a lot higher this year than in the past, but I feel like looking at his profile, there's not a big glaring hole that he has that has me scared about taking him inside the top 10 outfielders. Vlad, is out of the ones we talked about, are there any you kind of differ on in that retrospect? No, I'm, I'm pretty good with it. Uh, a lot of it has to do with where you're landing in your draft slot. Um, you know, in NFBC where I predominantly play, we were, were able to set our, our KDS, our draft preference order. Um, actually just finished an article for Fantasy Guru about it, how to strategize for it, how to basically um, prepare yourself to once you sort of know your draft slot or even when you're preparing your draft slot, you can uh, basically sort of you, what you need to do is map out those first few rounds because what a lot of people do are like oh you know i really want trout so you know i can get him six so he's my sixth pick but what about the second third fourth how are you going to construct the roster what categories are you going to acquire where are you going to take your starting pitching what is that going to do for your closers so a lot of things to think about that so for me it's where i'm falling in line with um you know i'm happy to take harper in the early second of a 15 team uh you know it's just really a matter of roster construction kyle tucker i will mention uh, that is my boy. Like, I, <laughs> it, this is one of those things where, uh, so so every year I write a column, it uh, comes out in the middle of March, it's called This Year's Yelich. Uh, and uh, it came to be, uh, I think a, a lot of a lot of people know, uh, a few years ago, I was calling him for a batting title. I, you know, posted a tweet that basically said, he is going to return top five fantasy value and compete for the MVP. And that was the year that he did get the MVP. And I got a lot of slack uh, from folks before the season started. Ah, oh, his ground ball rate, this and that. Anyways, came to fruition, kind of helped with my popularity at that time. So every year since then, I kind of have a, a candidate. Uh, I had a little bit of a cop out in 2019. I came up with a list of seven guys that could potentially be saying that there was no true this year's Yelich. And this year's Yelich would be like, top 50 overall guy, not a top like 10 or whatever, top 50 that can provide across the board of all categories, steal bases, and potentially provide first round value. My main guy for that last year was Bo Bichette, but I had Kyle Tucker's basically like my runner up. So I had him in every league around 150, 160 overall last year, just across the board, just my guy. So it's really sad now to see him <laughs> going top 30 overall, got to pay full value, got to hope he gets it all done. Actually, in my live stream last year, I almost got him to come on the show. I was going to have him on and couldn't do it during the beginning of COVID. But I'm a huge Kyle Tucker fan, but like now it's fully priced. You know, you're talking about 30th overall, maybe he creeps up to 25. Like it's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity cost there. So, but either way, I'm a fan. I love that. Anytime I'm on the same page with you, I'm feeling good about myself with that one. So let's go to the other side and let's go to the one in the top 10. Maybe not you're not completely avoiding because they're very talented players, but you might have a little bit more questions about their profile. And Vlad, who is that player in this top 10 for you? I don't have a question about anyone in their profile. Like for me, with a first round pick, I'm not going for this intense upside. Like I want the, the you know, the, the, the steady Eddie performers, like, and, and maybe somebody that can steal bases. If I'm not taking someone who steal bases in the first early rounds, it's either an ace pitcher or it's like Freddie Freeman who could lead the league in runs and RBIs and just, you know, hit 350 and mash. Um, so I'm not really going after like the Arenado types like I used to. I want to get some speed in the early rounds. So unfortunately, just by default, and we might want, you guys might lose a little bit of an audience for this, but just by default, it's going to come to Mike Trout. And that's really because 
he's just older than everybody. He's, you know, he's creeping up on 30, doesn't have the best lineup around him. I'm sure we'll get some guys, but you know, is he going to, is he going to run, you know, one, one stolen base last year, 11 the year prior, when you have these guys, you know, Soto is going to steal you 10 to 15, Acuna 30, uh, you know, every bit to 25, 30, everyone in this range is stealing bases and will the difference in everything else, you know, overshadow uh, what the other guys can do by, for his lack of steals. So because these top outfielders are, outfielders are so rock solid, even Bellinger around top, you know, he's fourth overall last year. Now he's 15th overall, you know, maybe he can hurt your batting average um, unlike some of the rest of these guys, uh, but he's still going to probably going to run. He's still young, still stealing bases on in the middle of a good team, but I want to see angels kind of build around that. And I'm really hoping that there are no interruptions in the season and that he can play a full season. Of course he could be the top performer, right? I mean, you go look at uh, uh, Cardi's, um, uh, uh, the bat came out today with his projections and, and mm-hmm. like way you know up there above everyone else. Can he do it? Of course. Um, you know, when was the last time he's returned first overall value? You don't necessarily need that first overall value. It's been a while, right? It's been a while since he actually returned first overall value. So I took him in the draft at nine the other time because he felt to me it was perfect. Great. But if I had to pick one guy that I'm not like over the moon about, as crazy, as blasphemous as it may sound, it's Mike Trout. Taking that same word, do you think it's blasphemous that to project Mike Trout for 15 steals next year? Because I thought he still has 15 steals potential in him. And that's he, kind of, I, I liked him a little higher up the board. He could. And I think what happens is sometimes like, like when I'm doing my projections, I, I try to not put too much emotion into it. Like, you know, to like tweak something to get him to like your top five. You're like, well, he's a top six guy. So Ah, but he's not there with his seven steals, so let me bump him up. That's the type of thing that I think we kind of need to avoid. So I'd like for him to steal 15. Is it possible? Will he start running again? It's possible, but I don't know if it's likely. That's fair. Doc, I know we were talking about Kyle Tucker before, and that was a player you just had a couple questions about. So if you want to talk about those questions, or are they answered? No, I, I, you know, I'm going to talk about it. David said when I said dislike for his ADP, he said, oh, that's a hot take, and I say I embrace it. So he finally did show promise last year. David talked about his triple slash, his nine homers, 42 RBIs. He did have six triples, which led the majors. But I'm going to look a little bit deeper than that. And behind that with a 7.9% walk rate and a 20.2% K rate. And Art has mentioned on previous shows, a lot of times what we saw at the beginning of last year was hitters not swinging as much. And their their swinging percentage down. And Kyle Tucker was the complete opposite because he came out swinging. In his first 24 games, he only had four walks through his first 97 at-bats, so basically a 4% walk rate, and he hit 226. But you take away a four-for-five game, and he's actually hitting 195. Now, I know sometimes people go, oh, they're a slow starter. You think of the Anthony Rizzo's, you think of the Paul Goldschmidt's. So it wouldn't be a big deal if he's a veteran, but he's played 50 games prior to last year. He had 131 at-bats, and he was hitting 206 coming into this season for his career. I look at the Astros lineup, and with George Springer gone, I don't think it's nearly as dangerous. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman is solid. Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa. Between Correa, Alvarez, and Altuve, at least one out of those three will get hurt. And they only got to face the AL and NL West last year. I think the teams in the Central and the East, they don't forget about the cheating scandal. I think they're going to want their shot at the Astros as well. I think they still have a little bit of target on their back, so... I like Kyle Tucker. He provides a lot of upside in a lot of categories. I just don't think he has that consistency for somebody that's going 30th overall. That's fair. I mean, again, 
like Vlad said, you're paying a hundred percent of the the cost to get him this year. He's not a bargain anymore. Mm -hmm. So that plays in again. If you're getting him the price of last year, I don't think any of that is a concern. That I can see that having to take him in the top thirty as he is right now. That that those kind of could creep in a little bit. Cheesecake, you have the same guy that I do. I'll let you kind of start, and then I'll finish him off. So if you want to set the table, <laughs> go ahead. I mean, I I do want to just real quickly throw out there. Uh, Yelich is uh, is someone who's who, who I'm a bit wary of because. His, uh, he had the largest drop in swing percentage out of anybody in MLB last year, dropped 10%, and his uh, his own contact rate dropped uh, almost uh, dropped 11% as well. So um, th- there's a little bit there's a little bit of concern there, but uh, but where he's going, I I'm not too mad at that. Uh, the guy who I'm really who I'm really fading in his draft spot in the top 10 is is Louis Robert, Lou Bob, uh, great nickname, uh, great talent. Uh, the power will be there, as will the speed. But I, I really have concerns about his batting average. I'm not sure what the batting average floor is. You saw how streaky he was last season. He started out hot, ended ice cold. Uh, the the uh, the uh, whiff rate went through the roof. Uh, so his fastball whiff rate was over 36%. Breaking pitch whiff rate over 46%. 57% on off speed. What is the floor of someone with that sort of whiff rate? And and what is the adjustment timeline of someone like Luis Robert? I mean, he, I, I'm 100% sure he's going to keep getting run out there uh, by the White Sox. He's he's their best young player, uh, you know, I pro- one of their best young players, if not their best young player. But I do wonder if you're going to be looking at the end of the season and he's going to be hitting 225, 230 with like 25, 25, where that, that batting average is really a killer and you're you're spending the 36th pick on him. I just think that that is too high of a draft draft price for that sort of batting average uncertainty, and uh, and I'm avoiding him at this point. You touched on a lot. Again, I'm just going to finish him off here. You talked about his problem against the breaking pitches and his whiff rate. Also, his overall strikeout percentage was bottom 6% in the league at 32%. He also, people aren't talking about his complete just collapse at the end of last year. He was through August, pretty much hitting 298, 356, 660 with nine homers. Going then into September, he finished the year, the last month of the season, hitting 136, 237, 173 with one extra base hit and 94 plate appearances. So again, I mean, is it the rookie wall? I, that's that's something that could be brought up. Could he have maybe turned that around? But again, at the end of the day, it's hard with that volatile profile. Uh, and Matt Williams actually adds a really good point here. Hard to see him batting above seventh in that stacked lineup. So that's just a problem all around. I think, again, you're paying for what he looked like for most of the season, but it was still a shortened season. If that, you don't know what it would have looked like with a full season of struggles. Had that September stretch to October too, he could have fallen out another three rounds. You never know. So um, I think his profile is something I'm a little bit more wary of. Uh, Vlad, what are your thoughts on Luis Robert? Uh, I mean, he's going to be an incredible talent, and uh, last year was pretty much what I what I, what I expected out of him in terms of what a rookie usually does, right? I mean, it doesn't. It, it's either they start off hot and then kind of cool off, or, or vice versa. I do know that there was some correlation with uh, when he started to uh, sort of hit that slump and some sort of injury. I, I forget what it was, but I remember reading something that it could, you know, there's something maybe you know something leg involved or something that affected his. Uh, affected him physically uh, from 
being able to, you know, to, to really continue his massive season. Um, the one thing I do know is when, if you play DFS baseball and Luis Robert Robert is crushing it and he's hot, you continue to play him. And then when he's cold, just avoid him entirely. He's one of those guys that I was uh, able to time uh, tremendously and, you know, really helped a lot of people do well during that hot streak. Yeah. I mean, he's, there's a couple other streaky players that we're going to get to here, but he was definitely one. Um, I I do want to get a little bit more interesting here and let's start getting into that 11 to 20 range. And these are guys, again, that we maybe have a little bit more discussion about, a little bit more wide range of outcomes. Vlad, who is somebody in the 11 to 20 range that you specifically are trying to target in a lot of your drafts? Oh, so this is kind of a, to be honest, this is a range where I'm not particular, that I'm not particularly fond of. I think this mm-hmm. is a range where I'll be either hitting infield positions or uh, starting pitching uh, in NFBCs. I might even, um, you know, may, maybe even take like a, 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 a Liam Hendricks here. Uh, even possibly because I do want to make sure to get some some closers, um, but I do kind of like Kavan Biggio's uh, three position eligibility. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, it does. It, it might seem like the price is a little high, but you know, I was all in on the on the Blue Jays last year. That just you know that that top of the lineup I think is just going to score a boatload of runs. It's a great hitters park for them. Whether they go back to Toronto or they're in, or they're in Buffalo. Uh, against some really bad still AL East pitching that though they won't see quite as often, but they still will. Uh, Baltimore, Boston, just you know, horrendous. Uh, you know, what are the Yankees doing? Not even sure. I'm sure they'll sign some people, but there's really a lot of value in a, a league where such a high percentage of people hit the IL, or you know, or people go for little fake maintenance IL trips. That having somebody that can cover not only second, third, and outfield, but also like middle infield, your corner infield spot, I think is really valuable. Uh, you know, he's through what, 700 plate appearances. I think he's got like a little bit over a 15% walk rate. Uh, he's got some power, uh, you know, not necessarily a, a, a incredibly hard hitter, but, you know, somebody that can hit you 20 homers, maybe steal 25 bases, just a lot of nice, well-rounded value. Uh, the one issue with him, of course, is uh, the batting average, even through the minor leagues, uh, you know, contact wise and, um, you know, going through some slumps himself, that's something he'll, you know, encounter, but you're looking at like, you know, one of the few guys that's going to possibly approach 700 plate appearances. Some of those could be bad. He, he could end up hurting you if he hits 240 with 700 plate appearances, but you're going to get a crap ton of counting categories. So I think that's worth its weight in gold. So three position eligibility, I'm kind of fond of BGO. It's interesting because I feel like a lot of people trash him in the second base preview, like or when they look at second base, because he's, I think, in the top five or six on NFBC in second base, and they say that's so rich for him. But then when you do see that position eligibility, you're like, I can just plug in wherever I want. It definitely does add to his value. I'm going to stay with the Blue Jays love here because if we better go from one Blue Jay to another. And I want to talk about Teoscar Hernandez, who is one of the darlings talked about this offseason. Bubba, we hope you're listening. <laughs> anything that isn't K related, you need sunglasses to see. Cause Oh my God, he's a magma man. I mean, career highs and exit velocity, barrel percentages, XBA, X slug, X Woba, X Woba con hard hit percentage, you name it. He also dropped his K rate 3% this year. Line drive rate was a career high and up 10% from last year. To put it plainly. This dude can just hit the ball and hits it hard. You know, in his profile that strikeouts are going to be a problem. He struck out over 30% of his plate appearances since 2017 in every single year. With the strikeouts come bad contact rates, his 66.2% contact rate was the 11th worst among qualified hitters last season. 
and his 15.7% swing strike rate was also good for 14th worst among all hitters. His batting average, though, jumped tremendously from 2019 to 2020 from a uh, 220 XBA to a 295 XBA, and that batting average was inflated by a 348 BABIP, but it also coincided well because he had a decrease in ground ball percentage and an increase in live drives in 2020. I think you take that impressive 13.8% career barrel percentage, and he upped that number again to 18% in 2020, everything just going up, had a 93-mile-per-hour average exit velocity, top 2% in the league. And I know you, this is a dangerous exercise, but if you extrapolate that 2020 full season out over 500 plate appearances, that's 289 batting average, 42 homers, and 16 steals. Uh, I will take that any day of the week. So. Again, this is somebody that I, I really think in that crazy, really good Toronto lineup, I don't see this missing because you know the risk in his profile. I mean, if they get George Springer, maybe you're wondering if they have concerns, if he's slumping, that he might sit a couple games because they have the depth there. But I think he's a slam dunk. You know what he is. He's 40 home run power if he plays a full season. And he's in the middle of potentially a top three lineup in baseball. I don't see how you can lose with him personally. Cheesecake, let's go to you next. Who is the guy that you are talking about in the 11 to 20 range? Well, there's a there's a big jumble going on here, 11 to 20. Uh, between 46 and 59, there's uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 outfielders. So this is a place where a lot of people are going. And I'm, for the most part, I am, I'm fine with the draft slot. I, I, I'm not getting a lot of these players. I've gotten Azuna, I think, twice. Uh, in best balls, but he's fallen because best balls push pitching up. So I'm not generally going in the 40s for a guy like Ozuna, but a guy who I I would pay the price for and I would target at his price and even before is Trent Grisham. I think with that power speed combo in a, in this jumble of outfielders, he's a standout due to that power speed con- combo and the lineup context that he's playing as a leadoff man in in San Diego. I remember uh, before the season started, there was a fun exercise that uh, Rates and Barrels did where you were to put together your top team from like 1980 till 2020. You can only use one player per season. You can only use each player once. And uh, the, one of the keys that people glommed onto was going after runs actually, actually caused you to actually help. And uh, that's something that I think you might be able to take some of that for for actual roto uh, fantasy baseball, a guy like Grisham, who I think actually has a soft uh, soft counting stats projection. I look at Steamer; he's he's projected for 24 and 15. I think that's very reasonable. But his counting stats are projected for 91 runs and 74 RBIs, batting atop that uh, that San, that potent San Diego lineup. 91 runs, I think. He might be able to sleepwalk to 91. I think he might be able to get closer, you know, to over 100 to 110. I think that's a pretty soft, uh, pretty soft projection. And I like him to stay at leadoff because he actually has shown uh, no significant uh, uh, um, different difference in his platoon splits. So Grisham at 59, 24-15. Now he has some batting average concerns, but he has a pretty good walk rate. Uh, but and and at 59 getting that uh, possible 25 15 with the counting stats i think that's a really good value at that at that position all right i like that doc 
finish this one out and then let's go to the negative side. Who's somebody positive for the 11 to 20 range? All right. Well, speaking of George Springer, uh, he is the guy that I like. So he's a re, uh, free agent right now, which I think his ADP is low. It's about 57. This is a guy that's had 20 plus home runs in five out of his six full seasons. Get 14 and 51 games for 2020. So not trying to go down that hypothetical what if, but over 162 games that would have equaled out to about 44 if he kept that pace up. He's cut his strikeout rate uh, dramatically. It was 17.1 in 2020, the lowest of his career. Consistent uh, double-digit walk rate every year. He had a 259 BABIP last year, which is far below his career average of 306. So you figure that's likely going to go up. And teams are only spending money if they want to contend. If a team doesn't feel like they're serious about winning this year, they've been selling their players for discount. I don't see teams spending big in free agency unless they think that they're a contender, which means hopefully he goes into a good lineup. So I think this is probably the lowest that you can get Springer now if he signs with a team like a Blue Jay or the Yankees or any team that has good hitters surrounding him. I think you're going to see his ADP go up. And Okay, I like that. I, don't, I haven't heard too much of the Yankees. I've heard mostly the Mets, Blue Jays kind of of the two big dogs. I, I woke up this morning and I had a dream that George Springer got signed by the Yankees. So I, I'm believing that it's going to happen. Uh, I can see, see the pinstripes. I can definitely <laughs> see it. I, I think that you should put that out on Twitter because I haven't seen that take anywhere. So you might be, right. you might be the Ken Rosenthal for this. You can break the news then. Uh, but let's go to the negative side. Let's talk about someone we're fading. Vlad, you said you hated this range. A bunch of guys here. Is there one guy more than any of the other ones that you really don't like? Uh, you know, I I would say I might be a sucker for Aaron Judge again. I mean, just real quick on, on, on a positive. So I've never actually got out of my way to draft Aaron Judge until last year. And this was back in February, March, before uh, the season started, just because he had fallen so far. I thought, you know, this might be a good opportunity to grab him with all the injuries, issues. had fallen so far down. Um, now... It, you know, this might be a year I might be in on him again. But as far as who I'm down on, no one specifically, I might have some sort of uh, uh, sort of built-in bias against Starling Marte. And maybe it's just because I've called him to be a bust before and it didn't quite happen. It was kind of a, a, a middling effort. But for somebody that I've seen go as high as early third round and 15 teamers, uh, somebody that is, uh, you know, doesn't hit the ball necessarily all that hard, uh, somebody who is, uh, you know, I'm going to be 33 basically at the end of this year. Um, he's getting up there in age. Don't know what type of team is, what kind of lineup is going to be around him. Uh, and maybe even the steals dip down at some point here. So for whatever reason, I'm not too fond of Charlie Marte going at like 45 ADP. And then the other guy that I'm just not quite sure on, I don't know if I'll be pulling the trigger is Randy Arzarena. And obviously what we saw from him last year and, down the stretch of the season and in the playoffs was was remarkable. It was absolutely phenomenal. But I don't know if I'm willing to pay up uh, this price to uh, to to be able to see that, especially uh, you know hitting out of Tampa there. David doesn't realize he's muted. <laughs> that was the perfect baton pass while I'm muted uh, because Doc, that is somebody that you have felt the same way about as well. So why don't you add to that? Yeah, Vlad and I are both wearing white shirts, and we're going to say why we're not high on Randy. Uh, his min pick is 24, even though his ADP is uh, 58.7. So some people are taking him really high. In the playoffs, he had 376 with 10 homers and 14 RBIs in 20 games slash 86 plate appearances. 
During the regular season, he had 281 with seven homers and 11 RBIs in 23 games. The 76 plate appearances, I expect somewhere in the middle where his numbers are going to fall. But it's concerning because even though he had that really great stretch in the postseason, he still has a high K rate. It was 28.9 for the regular season, 24.7 for the playoffs, and a low walk rate. He had 7.9 for the regular season, 9.3 for the playoffs. And I think what you have to think of, too, is the legal issues that happen with him. There's two things that he was arrested for, an altercation with his ex-wife and his ex-father-in-law, which falls under the MLB domestic violence policy. That's what Domingo Herman was suspended 60 games for, and also charged with trying to abduct his daughter, even though, in his words, he thought he was taking her to a safer place. This happened in late November. It hasn't even been two months yet. We don't know if there's going to be any legal discipline sent his way. And if we're already playing in a potentially shorter season, we don't know if we're having 162 games. That's just too much of a gamble for me to take at that spot. I totally forgot about all that. That is an interesting point. That's He's got some baggage, literal baggage right now. Cheesecake, brighten the mood a little bit with some more negativity. Sure. And- uh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be pulling my uh, pants and dropping trowel on the guy you liked though, David. So so uh, I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pour some cold water on the Teoscar love. I mean, I love how you said if you extrapolate, he gets 42 home runs. Yo, if I extrapolate my ding dong, I'm John Holmes. So let's let's keep uh let's keep our uh let's keep it in our pants with that sort of stuff. He has a great power speed combo, but his K percentage is well over 30 percent uh, consistently. His career BABIP is 310, and last season was 348. Uh, what's the batting average floor of a guy like Teoscar? I mean, he hit 289 last year, but are we really are we really expecting him to be 250? I don't I don't know. He he never hit 250 before last season, so his batting average floor might be right down there at 230. And and the biggest thing that I have is a year ago, or not even a year, six months ago, eight months ago, we had Jorge Soler in this same spot, uh, going like 80. Uh, Teoscar's going about 70 because he has a little bit more speed. Jorge Soler was going about 80, 90 after having a fantastic power season. And now Jorge Soler's going in the 130s, 140s. And I really can't see the difference between Teoscar and Jorge Soler other than the short sample size for Teoscar was good. and The short sample size for Soler was bad. So I think that there's a lot of volatility that's not being recognized in Teoscar's profile, even though the promise is there. The promise is great. I mean, he he has a sprint speed of, gosh, 85 for a guy of his size. Guy hits the ball that hard. That's fantastic sprint speed. He was a base stealer all through the minors. But I really think his floor is way lower than than we are expecting. And and uh, pick 70 is still relatively early early in the draft. It's not a time that I'm really trying to take many risks. And I I agree that when you're picking between round pick 60 to pick 130 it's really hard to get a great profit on those draft picks because it's still high enough in the draft that you are uh that 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 I, I don't know exactly the auction value of those picks but it's still a relatively high value but there's a lot less certainty in the profiles of these players and for me uh, Teoscar is a guy whose profile is is very uncertain and I would much rather wait on Solaire and get him three, four rounds later uh, than, than reach for a guy like Teoscar. Cheesecake, while I agree with that Solaire is very similar and you can wait later, you are wrong. 
about <laughs> the rest of Teoscar Hernandez. So let me let me take out my metaphorical member here and let me pee all over your take <laughs> of Trent Grisham. And let, let's talk about Trent Grisham. And I'm not going to be long with this. He didn't hit the ball very hard, strikes out a little bit more than someone I like in his type of profile, does not walk a lot. He steals some bases and his batting average was not a fluke last year, but he does not swing a lot as his first pitch swing swing percentages were all below league averages. He also had under league average in, con- in zone contact. If he had qualified, he would have had the eighth highest weak contact percentage in the league at 9.8%, which is more than three times the league average. For where he's going, he's too rich. That's too rich for my blood with all the quality bats they have in San Diego. I think you're, again, everybody's kind of obsessed with this speed aspect that he brings, but um, I see a couple things that I'm not sold on, and that, that weak contact percentage and the fact that he's his own contact and his overall swings are just below league averages. I'm wondering, again, he has that, the great walk percentage, but you got to be able to connect with some balls sometime, and if he keeps his swing rates down that little amount, is are those stats not going to be there when he's not hitting the ball as well as he was this past year? So that's just my little concern with Trent Grisham. No, I think it's fair. I think with his sprint speed, though, uh, a little weak contact, you know, he he'll be able to leg out more base hits than uh, than than a guy who's slow. So that's that that's one thing. And his outs above average is in the 99th percentile, which uh, which is something that you know you you have to think you know, that weak contact, he'll, he'll be able to get more out of that than, than most people with that sprint speed. But I definitely see your point that, uh, that he, he is, he is teetering, but I like him hitting lead off for those counting stats. So he is a 59.24 NFBC ADP and Teoscar Hernandez has a 70.47. Would you like to make a bet on this pod right now with the guy that's a really good better? He's, he's eyes to this. Would you want to make a bet right now? Who has the better season in 2021? Three- are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll bet you. I'll bet you that uh, Tay Oscar. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I bet you Tay Oscar drops off off the table for at least a month or two this season, and and Grisham has a better season. All right. The winner gets to choose the other person's profile picture for a week. Done. Oh what man. Got, let, I'll let Vlad up in here. What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys going to use for the like like based on auction value like? What, what are you going to base it off of the better season? Uh, well, that's good. We could player Raider, maybe. I don't know. There you go. Rasball player Raider. That's what I was going to say. Just, yeah. just straight up. That's a good bet. And I'm, and I'm interested that you guys, even though there's a bit of a difference in ADP, you didn't go for any odds. Just a straight up, you know, one for one. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. That's what we're all about. Simplify a little bit here. I never uh, see you guys debate this much. I love it. I know. Yes! We're going a little over time here. So let's, let's quickly go to the 20 to 30 range. This is the last range we'll talk to about tonight in the uh, outfielder part one preview. And we'll talk about, Vlad, I don't know, is this is this range any better for it? Do you like these guys better than the 11 to 20? What are you thinking? I do, because they're here. You have guys that, um, you know, unlike the the, the T. Oscars, Grishams, uh, our Zerenias of the world who did it in a very, in a, in a basically a very small sample of a very odd season uh, who are now new into this group, you have guys below that who I think are a lot more solid and, and a lot more capable of returning their, you know, their draft value. Um, so I do, I do like this group a little better. Is there somebody in this, well, let's, let's do both sides for you and then we'll move. Uh, is there somebody in this range that you really like and someone that you're not as fond of? So I'm a, uh, I, I, um, I think actually, okay, I shouldn't say it cause I, I, I tweeted something not too long ago. It was kind of more of a joke, but like, 
giving the millennials uh, crap about using the word stan but uh, <laughs> i am an austin meadows stan dude i fucking love i'm sorry i love austin you're good, meadows. You're good. and uh you know i just uh, you know 90th overall is just to me ridiculous i know there are people like oh it's he's gonna you know switch you know he's gonna you know uh, be platoon in that lineup i mean no austin meadows is a professional hitter he can hit lefties and righties steal bases like in, in top of that lineup or in second whatever he is it's a fantastic value but he's not the guy that i want to talk about it's actually uh this one might be even out of left field for people or it might be the one person that people are down on and that's dominic smith mm. dominic smith of the mets right now kind of in that 90 100 overall range um he was actually sixth in baseball in wrc uh plus 165 uh basically the best hitter on the mets and, uh, you know, there's just a lot that has changed in his profile uh, over the last couple of years, become uh, basically change his sw- approach uh, at the plate, change his swing uh, a little bit more upright, a little bit more aggressive in his stance. It's something that we uh, saw come to fruition last year. People forget he's of high pedigree. He's a former uh, first round pick, maybe, you know, all the way back in 2013, may not pan out for everyone, but um, and, you know, right now people are go, go look at roster resource like, oh, but he's hitting seventh. Uh, you know what? Cream rises to the top. If you're hitting well, if you're one of the, you know, one of the guys that's hitting 300 consistently, yeah, you'll move up and you'll hit closer to Lindor, especially if somebody is streaky like Alonzo is, you know, going a little bit of a slump, uh, you know, Dominic Smith can, can hit in that spot. So hits for power, uh, he's going to hit for average um, and, you know, a little bit of a late bloomer, but not really. He's only 25 years old. So I think people are, um, you know, not a lot of talk about Dominic Smith, uh, but I'm a big fan. I like where he's going right now. I love the Dominic Smith call. You're right. I, I don't hear his name being talked about at all. And I think it's easy for him to slip through the cracks. And he does have multiple position eligibility as well, if I believe so. I think he's first base and outfield. So yeah. I like that call. But it's interesting because you talked about Austin Meadows. And I know someone on this panel is very down on Austin Meadows. So Cheesecake, do you want to, Vlad just finished uh, talking highly of a guy. You're trashing. So why don't you go yeah, ahead and I mean, there. no, Austin Meadows, I, I, it's a gut call for me, really. I mean, I, 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 I look at the... That. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to trust it from the roto gut. <laughs> I mean, I I look at these ten and and there's there's a, a few guys who who I really like where they are. Um, Lourdes Gurriel is is probably my favorite. I, I really expect him to to have a really good season. Meadows, I just found found his 2020 really funky. Um, his his swing went 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 crazy. He he started 40 percent. Of the time he got under the ball in, in 2020 that is that is insane i mean he is he's a very good hitter he hit well coming up in pittsburgh but i also consider him you know a little bit of an injury risk his oblique injury at the end of the season uh, uh took him out for about a month i think it was a grade one ob- oblique strain but um, uh, oblique injuries side uh side strain injuries are uh really easy to repeat as well so i think there's a potential that he could be uh, facing that injury again, and 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 as you saw, it's it's it caused him to get under the ball a lot, and and uh, he had COVID as well, which which delayed his start to the season. So 2020 was a mess for me. I think the discount is already there, which so you, so you're not you know you're not going to further discount him from here because the discount's already baked into the price. But for me, I think in that range, as you say, there's Dominic Smith. Um, there's there's a there's a lot of first basemen that I I feel are very good values at that range. Uh, I'm I'm not looking to get uh, Austin Meadows in there. It's it, it's really just a gut call, and I think it's you know 
there's a really good chance I'm wrong on it. But for me, I, I think that the, the chance of a repeat of that oblique injury and the weirdness of his swing and what happened to it in 2020, it's just something that I'm not really, um, I'm not really going to be taking a lot of chances are. But like I said, I really like Lourdes Gurriel hitting third, uh, supposed, supposed to be hitting third according to roster resource. And his uh, counting stats should benefit greatly from that line of position. Uh, he's shown consistently good barrel rates, hard hit percentage, XBA and X slugging uh, over his career. And I think the, the, the uh, projections, uh, they, they show that his, his, his improvement in K rate will hold as well. They, they project that. And I, and I, and if that happens, I think you're going to be looking at, uh, at a really good season on a Lourdes Gurriel, a guy who I'm looking at as my like second or third outfielder. And he's going around 80. I think that's a really, uh, really good uh, acquisition value for a guy who might be able to give you top 50, uh, top 50 overall value. I, I was just going to say, by the way, the, the Blue Jays, it's such a shame. Like I, I was basically all in on those guys at fantastic values. Now they're all like fully priced. And, and that, that's the thing that kind of sucks. Like I would, you know, you want their best hitters, you got to pay premium for, but like, I, but that's a really, really, really good lineup. I, I hope, uh, you know, I hope a lot of people aren't going to see the type of damage they're going to be doing this year, but between Biggio, Bichette, Guerrero, Teoscar, uh, Gurriel, um, maybe if they even add Springer would be unbelievable. I mean, like this, this team is going to be ready to compete this year. Oh yeah. I I would um, love to see them get an, another pitcher or two though. Cause their pitching is still a little questionable. I'm a Robbie Ray truther. I think he's going to, or Stan, I think there's I, one of these years it's going to, it's going to happen, but um, doc, give the cliff notes version of the couple guys you want to talk about. Well, now that I know that Vlad loves the word Stan, I'm going to say I stands Charlie Blackman, um, very undervalued, hit 400 in the last four out of five seasons, minimum of 29 home runs his last four full seasons. Big drop off is in speed, went from 14, 10 to two stolen base, was actually on pace for seven for 2020. I'm going to give you this 15 game stretch he had in 2020. He went 34 of 66, which is 515. How many people players do you know that can get that blistering hot over a 15 game stretch we were talking about if he was going to hit 400 for the season and he had COVID he had like a week to warm up between when he was cleared to play and from the actual start of the season so he went 0 for 8 to begin the season his first two games that's when he had that really good stretch his home and road splits 306 at home 300 on the road that's not worrying to me I dislike Byron Buxton his durability. Watch your mouth. I, David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. I'm the opposite of the stand for him. He played 87.5% of the games in 2017. The next highest for a full season is 56.7% of games. So you're lucky if he plays every two out of three. He has a career 29.5% K rate and a career 6.4 walk rate. And in 2020, that was 1.5%. He's a career two, 238 hitter. He had two stolen bases in 39 games. So he actually played 30, 65% of the games in 2020. If he kept that pace up, which he probably wouldn't, he'd finish with five or six stolen bases. So the, the speed upside isn't there. And he has migraines. Have y'all ever had migraines? No. Bucks. I haven't, but I had a teacher in college that had ones that were so bad. She would, <laughs> cry. <say> you. <laughs> no, she would cry in the middle of class and cancel it. That's how I know it's got to be bad if a teacher cries in front of her students and abruptly ends class. Your research, your, your data for backing this up is starting to stray in the wrong direction. Don't, don't say that because you're a Twins fan, David. You need to accept the truth. Okay, well, 
my question in this range is Dylan. I just have a question about Dylan Moore. Is is it? I mean, I look at his profile. It's nothing like bad, but he's for him going in the top thirty. Is it just strictly that stolen base upside? Is that why everybody's freaking out over Dylan Moore right now? Yeah, that's pretty much all it is, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, I mean, he absolutely could steal a bunch of bases, but just you know, this is uh, for people. This this, this kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, really, it's uh, last year. If it was a basically this year would be his first full season played like, you know, 2019, he was essentially a bench guy, uh, you know, no more than 300 plate appearances last year was, you know, really a nice little breakout, but I think people are extrapolating that into a, a season this year that may not happen uh, could help in steals. Steals are a scarce commodity this year, but I think there are other ways to go about it. Uh, but I do think that's an interesting debate between him and Buxton, for example, because, you know, with Buxton, he's very polarized and people, either love him and keep giving him a chance. Like I can't quit Buxton or they're just going to keep, you know, forget about it. Like they're just done with him. They want nothing to do with him. And then those people will automatically just gravitate to Dylan Moore. But I think that's something that like, I personally might want to deep dive in and not just give a, a quick answer. Like, Oh, I like Buxton over more because it might turn out that more is the better option. Yeah. It's very interesting. I think he's one of those guys again, with limited sample, but right now the stolen bases are definitely, I think the polarizing part just on the outside looking in the only guy that I'll touch on, and I'm not going to say everything I wrote down for him. And that's just Nick Castellanos. Uh, he was a popular dark horse MVP pick by many people in the fantasy community. Guess again, who was the first one to put who started the Nick Castellanos MVP campaign and put was it you? And that was me. Oh, no, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, until all my friends then laughed at me halfway through the season. They're like, ah, I told you Cassidy was suck. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know you were the, the conductor, so I'll happily take the caboose. And uh, he began the season on a 12-game hitting streak, slashed 366, 470, or 447, 878, six homers, 10 runs scored, 13 RBI. And final 48 games, finished with a 192 batting average with eight home runs. And just a couple things I saw. His expected batting average was actually nearly 50 points higher, 50 percentage points higher. So I think that's, again, you see his 225 average. His XBA was 273. His expected WOBA was 356, but his actual was 324. But also his slugging percentage was 70 points higher. His X slugging percentage was 70 points higher than his actual slugging percentage. So going through all that, and you see that, Obviously, it was the uh, you look at first and you see an increase in his line drives, which will increase their uh, you'll see an increase in Babbitt. But his Babbitt actually dropped with the increase in line drive, which is not a normality that you'll see. So he has a career 329 Babbitt. It was 257 in 2020. I think that's going to regress a little bit more to the mean or positive regression, all those terms that people hate to say. Um, but I think he's again somebody that. I think he benefited from a little bit of bad luck. I have a couple other things, but, you know, I, again, I, I think he's somebody that I think is going to actually bounce back. He's got a little bit of a cheaper value now with the down season. I just snagged him in an NF, or a best ball draft, so happy with that. I, I think he's somebody – sounds like, Vlad, you're going to be on that same train too. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a price point thing. It's just one of those things that they're, it's going to be what my needs are at the time. Uh, if he's the best value on the board, I'll take him. I do think there's going to be a little bit of a, uh, I think the discounts already sort of baked in because people are thinking, oh, he's just so, uh, you know, so up and down because he had those two extremes in the seasons there. But uh, I think he, he will be shockingly more consistent this year. And I think that ballpark is going to play pretty well for him. Yeah, agreed. And I just saw the proof May 30th 
Vlad made the call. And Dylan Bunny is the Cy Young. Even though he didn't win Cy Young, he actually had a really good bounce back year. So that was my one and only year ever touting and drafting Dylan Bundy. I'll, I'll never, I'll never do it again. <laughs> Next year, uh, I mean, by the way, you guys don't don't draft Dylan Bunny this year. You like now, don't do it. Extra advice there. I love it. Vlad, but, you're, you seem like a great betting guy, so I'm going to have to go to you for some other bets. By all, by all means, yeah. <laughs> let's go from that. Let's go to our question of the week. You right. did not. You you did not use that music. Only the OGs know where that's from. Okay, so our question of the week is sponsored by Shady Rays. Doc, tell us a little bit more about Shady Rays. You know, my girlfriend hates when I'm a proactive person, and I thought women like a man that takes charge. So did you guys know that it's only 58 days until we turn the clocks forward and daylight savings time comes? So the days are getting longer. That means you need a pair of Shady Rays, and I got mine right here. You know what they're going to do? If you break them, you damage them, going hiking, going camping, uh, making fun of David and throwing your sunglasses at him because he's ugly, they're going to replace it. You want to feel good about yourself and have low self-esteem like me? For every pair bought, they're going to donate 10 meals to Feeding America. They've already done 13 million. I can't even count that high, okay? If you're liking what I'm saying and you want to help us out, Go to ShadyRays.com and use code TRIPLEPLAY and get 25% off. You're going to save money. This besides RX series, by the way. So laugh at me. Call me ugly like David does. But make sure you take care of your eyes this upcoming spring and summer. When you use that voice, like my ears bleed. Please don't use that voice again. <laughs> David, I hate you so much. That's fine. So our question of the week, sponsored by Shady Rays. Which outfielder going outside the top 300 is that attractive person in your eyes, the person that you just like highlights across your screen? You have to grab them. They're the hot commodity. Vlad, you're the guest. I want to start with you. Who is the top outside the top 300 guy you're looking at? Uh, do, uh, can I get a privilege as a guest to uh, to give you three? Oh, yeah. The floor is yours. Just just because, like, I mean, I, I just I just need to share. Um, at least we'll see how, how it pans out. But uh uh, first of all, uh, Corey Dickerson is my every year guy. I mean, you know, uh, David Peralta, for example, in Arizona is no longer, uh, I mean, he, he's like 250-ish, 270-ish, fantastic value, so he doesn't quite make it. Um, but every year, people sleep on David Peralta, career 290 hitter, always coming through for you. Corey Dickerson, somebody who uh, hit for a little bit more power earlier in his career, now um, hits, hits for for better contact, more average. Uh, is going to be probably, you know, leadoff man hitting for second in that lineup. Um, so I'm a big fan of Corey Dickerson, 346 ADP. Uh, second guy is climbing big time, Oscar Mercado, 386. Mm -hmm. If you go to Rest Resource right now, he's not even showing like in their starting lineup. But Oscar Mercado is uh, being, basically being slept upon because of a poor uh, 2020 shortened season, which was just wild in so many respects. Um, so you're going to see... Uh, sharp players start to move up on on Mercado uh, end up being like a top 200 250 guy um, and then last but not least this guy nobody even cares about he's so down the line it's like you know 27th round guy but it's the leadoff man for the Cincinnati Reds Shogo Akiyama fantastic player in the, in, in uh, Japan uh, came over and had a really really uh, bad start to his season a lot of people dropped him in fantasy people that had invested in him but he continued to play every day, 
uh, made some approaches uh, at the plate uh, and started hitting a lot better and actually running again, um, stealing some bases. So he's another guy that I expect to get double digit steals after 400. And how many people that are leading off, even if it's not every day, but how many leadoff men do you get um, after 480p? So those are the three at the moment uh, that I would recommend at this point. So you pick Corey Dickerson every year. Is that like one of your guys? I mean, yeah, he's just, he's just always one of those guys. And like, I'm in the, you know, 12th, uh, 12th round, uh, I'm sorry, 30th round of a, of a 12 teamer. And I need some batting average and Corey Dickerson is there. That guy for me every year used to be Howie Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Um, my 18th round guy for that was David Peralta for so many years. So I always have like that guy, Corey Dickerson feels like somebody I can trust in that respect. Well, Vlad did not just give you one, everybody. He gave you three, tuck those away. Don't show your friends. Those are three good late round targets right there. Cheesecake, somebody that you're looking at outside the top 300. I I, I want to echo that Corey Dickerson love. Uh, Ross Resource has him leading off right now. Uh, just someone I want to throw out there, guy who's considered extremely injury prone, David Dahl. I remember Will Middlebrooks on the CBS uh, uh, CBS Fantasy Baseball podcast talking about playing in Col- uh, Colorado Springs and in Colorado and in Denver, and at that altitude, it's really hard to recover from injuries. It's possible you can see finally a healthy David Dahl season. He's still pretty young, going right now at 304. I don't think that that 300 post 300 draft pick price is going to hold. I think he's going to be climbing up, especially since he's uh, probably going to be starting. And and the news about how Colorado affects your injuries is starting to spread. So Dahl is a guy going 304 who I really like, and of course, yeah, Dickerson. Great value where he's going. You barely made the cut. You took the first person outside the top 300. Well, that is playing within the rules. So good job there, Cheesecake. Of course. Doc, who's the one you're looking at? So for me, I really like Cedric Mullins. He's a pretty young guy. He's only played in 115 career games. He's upped his launch angle and his hard hit percentage each year. He plays in a hitter's ballpark in O's uh, Stadium, Camden Yards, right in our backyard. He had seven stolen bases in 48 games, so over an entire uh, season, it averages to about 19 or 20. So if you punt on that category, I know I've talked about a lot of people that don't have speed that I like, but he's a good source of steals that you can get you know, much later in your drafts. A good pick there. The guy I have, and actually it's funny because Cheesecake and I didn't share this before the show. We luckily texted about it like a couple hours before to say who our guys were, and then we had the same one, and it was Robbie Grossman going – as outfielder 107 at pick 436. So Vlad, I don't know if you, did you know that the Tigers, Mm -hmm. he signed a two-year $10 million deal. That was the first multi-year contract the Tigers have given somebody since 2016. Yeah, uh, they they believe in someone. That's good. (laughs) So the fact that they gave him the first two-year deal in five years makes me think, all right, he's going to be locked in for plate appearances. He's a switch hitter. He's projected on roster resource to hit number two. His 826 OPS last season was only two points shy of his career high in 2016. And if he had played out a full season, he would have actually broke his career high in home runs projected, of course. But he's going to get the opportunity there. 21 walks in 51 games, bumped up his on base to 344. And he had a 130 OPS plus. He's a different hitter than you might remember in Minnesota. His uptick in power was just from him actually talking with A's hitting coach and former Astros teammate Jed Lowry which helped him kind of achieve that kind of transformation. And they broke it down, helped him use his legs more on his swing. But A.J. Hinch is a huge fan of Robbie Grossman 
And that was why Robbie Grossman said he was going to come and sign with them. Was strictly AJ Hinch was a huge selling point for him. But manager and a player both love each other. It's a happy match. He's going to get played appearances. He's it's he's going so late. I think he's someone that's going to easily help boost out the rest of your outfield with somebody that's going to be probably your outfield god like six, seven, eight, maybe. Like it's it's just incredible the value he's at. So he's my pick. But great discussion with that. I actually want to add, because we always like have a fun question of the week, too. Vlad, strictly for you, pancakes, waffles, or French toast, if you had to pick one? Uh, man, that's a good question. I could do all three things, but if I had to pick, it would probably be French toast, just because it's so, you know, it's not something you have all the time, right? You're like, oh, some French toast. You put a bunch of stuff on it. Sounds good. See, I like that. And I feel like French toast, It's people get turned off by the A or whatever, but I feel like it makes it so much different than the other two. Oh, yeah. and, and that's a nice element to it. I like that. Vlad, I knew you were a smart man. Now I just it confirmed it for me. So let's go to our last segment, and that's going to be our game of the week. Welcome, welcome to the arena. All right. We are in the arena for the game of the week, and that is also hosted this week by the Doc. So, Doc, what are we playing to finish out the show? All right. Well, fellas, I'm sure we've all gone on a blind date before, but now we're going to do a little blind resume game. So what I have here is I'm going to break it down by each position, and I'm going to give you a player's triple slash, their home runs, and their RBIs for 2020. I'm going to give you four multiple choice answers, and you have to let me know who you think it is. We're going to do round robin, so we'll start with Vlad, then David, then Art, and then rotate. Sound good, fellas? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the first, we're starting out with the catcher position. The triple slash is 289, 401, 579. This player hit eight home runs with 25 RBIs. The options are A. Wilson Contreras, B. Austin Nola, C. Will Smith, or D. Christian Vasquez. Vlad, who's your guess? Uh, how many home runs did you say? Eight home runs. Was it Austin Nola? David, who's your guess? Wilson Contreras. And Art. That's Will Smith. It is Will Smith. It's mm. one point for Art. Wow, you were very confident with that. Yeah, you knew that right off the bat. All right, so Art with one to start off. The next we're going first base, and David, we're starting with you. The triple slash, 222, 342, 414, 11 home runs, 24 RBIs. Your options are A, Anthony Rizzo. B, Pete Alonzo, C, Jesus Aguilar, or D, Christian Walker? I think that was Anthony Rizzo. Okay. Art? I'm going to guess Anthony Rizzo as well. And Vlad? I shall go Rizzo as well because he hit like ass this year. <laughs> you know, that, that was, I thought I might be able to get you uh, guys slipping a little bit, but you all know that Anthony Rizzo... Had a low average this year. He was very much ass. Agreed. Yeah. All right. We're going to the second base next. Hopefully David gets this wrong. The triple <laughs> slash. 230, 331, 468 with eight home runs and 27 RBIs. Is that Keston Hira, Mike Moustakis, Kevin Vigio, or Chris Taylor? And Art, we're starting with you. Uh, I'm going to go with Moustakis. Okay. 
Vlad? Moustakis as well. And David? That sounds like a Cavan Biggio line. I just, I, it's, it screamed it to me. So I think it's Cavan Biggio. Well, it was Moustakis. Oh, I so should have Art, with, I should have just started Art, them. Art, Art and Vlad get a point. Art's three for three. David's in last place, just like how things should be. <laughs> oh, my God. We're, we're going to third base now. We're going Vlad, back to Vlad to start. The triple slash, 255, 345, 465, with 11 home runs and 38 RBIs. Your options are Anthony Rendon, Kyle Seeger, Brian Anderson, or Vlad Jr. You see what I did there? Uh, no, yeah. you, you didn't say 80 home runs and 180 RBIs for 2021, so it's not Vlad Grove. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Brian Anderson. Okay, David? So you're, are you playing a mind game since you said it like that? Brian Anderson, that you want us to say that? Or, or I'm even thinking, overthinking it, but I think it also was Brian Anderson as well. Art? Oh, gosh. Um, the batting average is too high for Seager, too low for Rendon. I'm going to go with Anderson as well. It is Brian Anderson. You know, I looked at uh, players that were close in stats and – they were all pretty close. Seager hit 241. Rendon hit, I think, 265. So good guessing by you guys. We're going to go to shortstop next, and we are going back to David to start this. The triple slash of 274, 345, 464, with 10 home runs and 35 RBIs. Your options are A, Brandon Crawford, B, D.D. Gregorius, C, Francisco Lindor, or D, Dansby Swanson. I'm going Dansby Swanson. Okay. Art? Uh, Francisco Lindor. And Vlad? Dansby, Dansby Swanson. It is Dansby Swanson. So, ah. we, so David's back into it, and Art and Vlad are tied at four. So Wait, so I have two, or do I have three? You have three. There we go. Art, okay. I'm in Art, this game. Art and Vlad each have four, and David has three. So anyone's game. How many do we have left? We have outfield, we have starting pitching, and then I have a bonus if we need it. So, okay. Well, okay. I, I, if I beat Vlad, it's going on my resume. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I don't, we don't want you to add anything to your resume. We want it to be blank. We're going outfield next, and we're having Art start with this. A triple slash of 250, 406, 581, with 14 home runs and 29 RBIs. Your options are Ronald Acuna, Bryce Harper, George Springer or Eddie Rosario? Oh, geez. Um, this was a tough one. I take pride in this one. Uh, I'm going to go with Acuna. Okay. Vlad? Acuna. You said, it was, David. you said it was a 250 batting average with how many home runs? 14 and 29 RBIs. And it was Acuna, Harper... What were those two? Springer and Rosario. I think I have to be di- or I have to be different to win. So I'm gonna go with uh uh George Springer. It was Acuna, David. You should have done it. I, I mean, I was thinking Acuna, but if I guess the same one, I can't win. All right. Well, 
you know, Vlad and, and Art both have five. We got starting pitching. So for pitching, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you their win-loss record, their ERA, and their Ks. So, David, you can still play, but you have no way to win. Art and uh, Vlad, don't worry about guessing it if you get a tie because I have a relief pitcher as well. Okay. So, so the starting pitcher went four and six with a three seven five ERA and 73 strikeouts. Was that Andrew Heaney, Herman Marquez, Luis Castillo, or David's new best friend, Aaron Savale? And Vlad, we're starting with you. What was the ERA? 375. <sighs> the Rocky Marquez. Okay. David? I'm pretty sure just after talking with him, I remember looking it up and it was closer to four than three seven. I think it was like three nine. So who were the first two again? Andrew Heaney and Herman Marquez and then Luis Castillo. I think it actually was I remember Luis Castillo actually having a losing record and a good ERA. So I'm gonna go Luis Castillo. Art. Castillo. It was Herman Marquez. Oh, I, believe all, I believe all of these pitchers went four and six, so that's how I got it. <laughs> so Vlad Vlad won this one. I don't know if you guys want to do the relief pitcher for fun. No, he, he got it. Vlad got it. I, he deserves the win. He deserves the FaceTime. Thank don't want to hold him any longer. I will give him. He gets the round of applause. That's because David doesn't get to add anything to his resume. <laughs> but uh, Vlad, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It was truly, really fun to be able to talk about the outfield position with you. And um, it, it was just a real treat for us to be able to talk with you. Thank you, guys. Uh, you, you're you're all uh, fine, upstanding gentlemen. Or maybe not all upstanding, but uh, very entertaining. It was fun to talk with you guys, and I uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. Vlad, can you tell our listeners, in case they're living under a rock, uh, where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your work and other projects you might be working on? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Twitter, I'm at RotoGut, R-O-T-O-G-U-T. Uh, for the season long, you need to get the Fantasy Guru package, uh, fantasyguru.com slash MLB under 40 bucks for the season, uh, lots of uh, pre-draft goodies right now, uh, a lot of NFBC uh, strategy articles during the season. I do a, a fab uh, free agent bidding uh, values column, uh, check out. And then for the DFS stuff, it's uh, elitefantasy.com. Hopefully we all make a lot of money at uh, DFS this year. Yeah, Vlad is the man when it comes to DFS. I advise you guys to go and make sure you pay us a very good price for the type of winnings you'll probably get from buying that package. So check that out. By the way, you, you I saw you on <laughs> I knew this was coming up. The Millie, man, that was a heck of a team, football team, right? Yeah. So I, I did end up cashing a few hundred. It wasn't as much as I would have liked to finish with. Um, but I'm getting close, Vlad. Like I I'm there are a couple times I'm like right in there and I just I'm, I dream about it. It's it's I hope it happens one of these days. It's not a hell of a sweat. Like you just kind of see it, and there's still a bunch of games to go. You have a bunch of like you know player minutes remaining. You're like just that 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 hope, the chance that you can get yes. it feels nice. You know, especially off of like twenty bucks, one million bucks is the dream. You know? it, well, it's funny too because the Millie Maker winner pretty much had like eight of their nine players going from the Pittsburgh Cleveland game. Yeah, that's that's just how crazy it can be if you just basically stack one game. Uh, that, that's why it's so fun. DFS, I'll take DFS over season long any day, just the, the rise it gets. Um, but 
Make sure you guys tune in next week, not just for DFS, but we do our outfield preview part two with Derek Von Riper of the Athletics Rates and Barrels podcast. So make sure not to miss that show. Until then, everybody stay safe, wear a mask, have a wonderful weekend. Talk to you all soon.